0: you ever notice that no matter how much we decorate for the Advent and Christmas season, the tree, the lights, the flowers, the greenery, the banners, no matter what else we put up, we never cover the cross. It's always there to remind us the centrality of Jesus and his death and resurrection for us. Jesus came with a purpose. This morning our uh, passage is Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 through 8. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 through 8. Would you please stand in honor and reverence for the reading of God's word? In bringing many sons and daughters to glory... And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. So that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your son. We thank you for what he did and for what he is, for what he continues to do and for what he will do. We pray that this word from you, Lord, would sink deeply into our hearts and would grow and produce righteousness. God, we pray and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Oh, the humanity. How many of us have heard that phrase sometime in our life? Most of us probably have, but how many of us actually know what it means? When we hear it spoken, it's usually uh, in jest. It's usually something funny, but it was far from funny when it was first spoken. There was a tragedy in the 1800s, but it was really uh, most uh, uh, most popularized uh, by a commentator on the Hindenburg tragedy when that explosion occurred and all the people died. A man who was speaking about it, a famous person at that time, spoke and said, "Oh, the humanity!" It was a similar saying to someone calling out, "Oh my God." What a tragedy it was to him as he thought of all of those lives that were lost. Today, though, in our sermon, when I say, oh, the humanity, it is not a tragedy, but rather a blessing as we consider the humanity of Jesus Christ. At this time of the year when we focus uh, all, so much on Jesus and his birth and the supernatural aspect the virgin birth, the Holy Spirit who uh, caused Mary to conceive, Uh, we really focus on the miraculous, on the divine nature of Jesus. And the Bible is very clear. Contrary to what some skeptics or doubters may say, Jesus Christ had the full divinity, completely God. He has all of it that makes up God, God. Jesus has it. He was part of the Holy Trinity. But while skeptics and doubters may sometimes forget all the, the divinity side of things or hedge a little bit on that, as Christians, we are often guilty of forgetting about Jesus' humanity. We're often guilty of thinking, well, you know, of course he was perfect. He was Jesus. He was God. And we act as if You know, there was no chance for him to ever do wrong. I mean, you know, he's perfect. Of course he died for us. Of course he did what was right. Of course he didn't mess up. And we downplay the fact that the Bible says not only was God completely divine, I mean, Jesus completely divine, but Jesus, the Bible tells us, is fully human. That kind of blows our minds because we learn simple math and we want to say, well, he was God and he was man. And so, therefore, Jesus is 50% God and 50% man. And I tell you, math doesn't work with theology because the Bible tells us he wasn't half God and half man. So he wasn't some kind of demigod that was split between two natures. The Bible tells us he was fully God and fully man. And the fact that he was fully man, he was fully human, that is an amazing thing for us. We often think about, oh, it's so awesome that Jesus is divine. Therefore, I can go to him because he has power and he has knowledge and he has understanding. And he's present with me wherever, we, wherever I am. And that is awesome to know that Jesus is fully God. But there are enormous benefits and blessings to us by the fact that Jesus is fully human as well. And the author of Hebrews spends this passage uh, laying out some of those advantages, some of those blessings that come to us. I love how he talks about bringing many sons and daughters to glory. And in this process of bringing sons and daughters, that is us who are believers, who are part of the family of God, bringing many sons to glory, in that process God did something amazing. God said, "I am going to complete Jesus through suffering." He perfected, not in the sense of Jesus had had not had ever sinned before, but perfection in biblical times has a connotation of completeness. And God said there's something that Jesus has not yet done that he's going to do, and that is he is going to become human, and he is going to go through all the sufferings and all the trials and all the temptations, and so his work can be complete and fulfilled. And so he tells us because of this, because of the fact That God intends not only to have us as his creation, him the creator and us the creation, but God elevates us to his family. And how are we going to be family if we don't share commonalities? And so Jesus comes down and he puts on human flesh. It's what we call the incarnation. He becomes something different and more. He does not lose his divinity Although the Bible tells us he sets aside many of his divine privileges. He empties of himself of these things. But he takes on human form. And he comes and he says, hey, because I am human, we can be family. We couldn't be family if I wasn't human. But because I am a human being, because I am a man just like all mankind, we can be family. So Jesus' humanity allows us to be family. It allows us not only for the Father to call us his children, but for Jesus to call us brothers and sisters. The humanity of Jesus also allows him to actually save us from our sins. The Bible tells us, listen to what it says right here in verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. The Bible tells us here and in many other places. That although Jesus' divinity and perfection was so special to us, that if he was not mankind, then he could not have taken on the burden for us. He could not have defeated and overcome Satan. He could not have said, yes, I am human and yet I will take on the sins of humanity and I will suffer for them. Because he became human... Because he became like us, he could share and pay the debt for our sins. And then to me, the most interesting part is Jesus' humanity allowed him to experience the same temptation that you and I do. So many times when I'm counseling people, a familiar line will come out and it'll be like... Oh, But my circumstances are just so different. Maybe you have kids or teenagers. Mom, you just don't understand. Dad, you just don't understand. And so often as human beings, we excuse ourselves, uh, our sin, our wrongdoing, because, oh, we have this unique circumstance in our life and nobody else could possibly understand what we are going through. And God says here in his word, Jesus understands it all. Jesus was tempted and tried, so there is not a single person on this earth who can raise their hand to heaven and say, God, you don't get it. You don't understand me. You're God up there in heaven. You don't know what it's like to live down here. Jesus will say, yes, I do. I was tempted and tried in every possible way. Jesus went through it. And so, when you are tempted by sin, the Bible says, guess what? And when you're tempted to say, Oh, I like, not only do I like that, but oh, I'm powerless against it. I can't overcome it. I have to give in to it. God is saying, Guess what? Jesus Christ. Remember, he laid aside some of his divine prerogatives, but relied on the Holy Spirit. And he relied on the Holy Spirit to overcome temptation, and so can you. That same power of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said, I will send to you another helper, another comforter. Because Jesus said he knew for his disciples that he wasn't going to be physically walking with them everywhere on this earth anymore. I'm going to send someone, Jesus said, who's going to be with you always. My spirit, the spirit of God, is going to dwell with you so that you will always have that ability, you will always have that presence of me, that power to overcome sin and temptation. Now, he talked about him being a high priest. The job of a high priest was simply to mediate to go between. We have mediators in this day and age. Usually they're an alternative to going to court. Instead of a judge and a jury, there's a mediator that's supposed to get with the two sides and talk it out and work things out. The priests were mediators. The Old Testament priest, they were to come The people would come to the priest and bring their sacrifices. The priest would take those offerings. They would burn them. They would give them up to God. And they were the go-between. The Bible says that Jesus became the ultimate high priest. There's never been a need for a priest, regular, bottom of the rung, or all the way up to the high priest. There's never been a need for a single one of those after Jesus because he became the ultimate high priest for us he became the ultimate go-between that's why when we pray we say in jesus name you know we we drop a name you ever name drop before you wait for that, you know, a conversation comes up, and you just happen to have met that famous person or be related to them or, or know them or have a friend who has a cousin who knows them or, or something. But somehow you want to work that in like, oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, casual, like you're not impressed with yourself even though you are, and you work it in and you say, yeah, yeah, I know them or so-and-so knows them. Well, we do that, and God actually invited us to do that, in our relationship with the Father. He says, You come to me, and you drop my son's name. Because while you have sinned, and you are flawed, and you've messed up, my son's perfect. And so when you come to me in his name, not just using his name, but when you're actually asking for something he desires, when it's his will, guess what? What Jesus wants, I want. So when you come to me and you pray and you say, in Jesus' name, that's what I want to hear from you. I want you to understand that you're not some powerful magician who moves heaven and earth uh, by telling me as your father what to do. I want you to understand that you are one of my children and that you have a relationship with me through Jesus Christ. And because of that relationship, that special power relationship, You are able to come to the Father God. It's what the mediator is all about. Now, Jesus faced all that we face. And it wasn't just a one-time thing. Most of us are very familiar with the... In the beginning of his ministry, the Bible tells us that after he was baptized... After after the Father said, the voice was heard from the Father saying, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And the Spirit of God descended on him on a dove, like a dove. Guess what that Spirit-filled moment led to? Because we all want to be filled by the Spirit, right? We all want God to be leading us and filling us and empowering us with His Spirit. But guess what? Sometimes being filled by the Spirit means God is going to take you through some of the toughest times of your life. And so he has filled and empowered you, not because he's about to make your life easy street, but he's about to take you through some stuff that only he knows about that you can't imagine, but he's preparing you. And so that Holy Spirit who descended upon him like a dove leads him out, and the Bible says he goes into the wilderness. And he is there fasting for 40 days. And in the greatest understatement in the Bible, it says, And after 40 days, he was hungry. (laughs) No kidding. Jesus was ravenous, I'm sure. I mean, some of y'all who kind of have blood sugar things, you can attest, you get a little hungry. You start to get a little cranky. I mean, we kind of just say, well... That, you know, that wasn't really my fault because I hadn't had anything to eat, right? Because so the, the normal rules don't apply, right? You know, we, we feel like we're so tempted to do wrong that it's, it's just impossible. Jesus has gone 40 days fasting. And the Bible tells us that the devil came to tempt him. And by the way, the devil uses all kind of scripture. Don't assume that people who use scripture are necessarily right. Check to make sure they're using it correctly. I had a very nice couple from a cult come to my house distributing literature just yesterday. Sweet, nice people. Their their literature had all kind of good Bible stuff in it. But I know what they really are. And by the way, when I say cult, I'm giving the church definition, not the, not the secular news definition, which means, oh, they live in a compound, and they have guns, and they have some crazy leader. No, the, the Christian definition of a cult does not have to do with that. It has to do with messing up the doctrine of Christ. You see, if you have a little bit of difference about some, you know, maybe you believe something different about the end times or something different about baptism or something like that, well, you just kind of end up in a different denomination. (laughs) We don't call you a cult. But when you mess with Jesus, when you mess with who he is, the doctrine of Christ that he is both fully divine and fully human, that's when you end up in cult territory. And you know, Satan, as he always has, he will try to take and twist God's word. And he uses a bunch of scripture on Jesus, but he's twisting that scripture. And he's tempting and he's trying Jesus to take the easy way out, to forgo the way of suffering, to just get some relief. How often do we give in just because we want some relief? But every time, Jesus resists. And the Bible says that the angels come and minister to him. But some of us miss that next part that says, and the devil left him until a more opportune time. In other words, the devil knew, I'm defeated now. I've lost this battle, but I'm still at war. And the devil, is, if he's like that with Jesus, you can guarantee he's like that with you. Just because you've won a battle today does not mean, oh, the devil's going to be off my back forever now. He's going to wait until the next time that you're lonely or hungry or hurting, or whatever else, depressed, whatever else it is, and he's going to attack then at your weak moment. And guess what? The devil is stronger than you. He is. But thank God, the Bible says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Jesus is greater. And so when you don't have a chance, when a temptation comes along that you're, there's no way you're going to be able to resist, that's when you got to humble yourself and say, Jesus, you call out to God, in the name of Jesus, I need your help. I need your strength. I need your wisdom. I need your power because I'm weak, but you're strong. And Jesus, you lived as a human being perfectly for all those days. And you resisted temptation You know exactly how I feel, exactly what I'm going through. And you have the power to help me overcome as well. As we get to the end of the year, we tend to look back, right? I remember being a kid. I hated the end of the year, the end of December, because television was all messed up. Right up before television, there was all these great specials, Charlie Brown, Rudolph, Santa Claus. I mean, television was great. But then that week after Christmas, right between the New Year's, all we saw was the year blah, blah, in review. And over and over, and I, and I was sitting there thinking, oh, this is so stupid. Who cares about what happened? You know, when you're a kid, two weeks ago is ancient. So who cares what happened 10 or 11 or 12 months ago? We have that tendency, at least as adults, to just kind of look back. And some of that we celebrate the wins, and a lot of that we look back and we say, oh, that didn't go so well. You know, for some reason, that diet and exercise plan that I had, that that just didn't happen like it did in the year before. In the year before, you know, maybe we had a financial goal or a relationship goal. And we look back and we see where we failed. And some of us are um, self-conscious enough that we're even going to look back and look at our spiritual life. We're going to do a checkup. We're going to say, where have I come in this last year? Because the Christian life, by the way, is all about growth. It's all about getting closer to God. Being stalled out or plateaued is never acceptable for Christ. He wants us to draw closer and closer to Him. To know Him and His power and his, everything coming through Him, His love more and more. And so we maybe look back and we may see some losses, some failures, some places we messed up. See, here's the awesome thing about God's grace is that when we look at those things, yes, we may be sad and we may mourn where we didn't do what we should have, but we don't get stuck in that because we remember that God has given us the grace not only to forgive us where we failed in 2019, but he's given us the grace and the power to look forward to see how he can grow us and strengthen us and move us to be more like him in 2020. Because he was tempted. We know that we can face temptation. And we can overcome as we lean on him. Pray with me this morning. God, we come to you. And we're in awe. We, we don't understand. We don't comprehend. We don't get the math on, on how this worked. That Jesus is both fully God and man. We simply take it by faith. And Lord, we all struggle. We're all aware of our own frailties and flaws. We need someone bigger and stronger and better than us. Because the world, the devil, and even our own flesh all come against us and tempt us and try us. God, without your power, we're undone. We're lost. But thank you, God, that through the power and the presence of Jesus Christ in our lives, that your spirit guides us and strengthens us and gives us hope for a new day and a new year. Lord, in this coming year, may we walk faithfully, Knowing we're going to be tempted just like Jesus was, but also knowing that the same power that lived in him and enabled him to be free is available to us. Lord, may we latch on to you and to your spirit's power working in our lives. Father, as we close this year, help us to turn aside and away from the things that drug us down, or held us back to give ourselves more fully to you. Lord, we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.